0: Chapter Twenty of Things Worth Doing and How to Do Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Oogie's Ragdoll. Things Worth Doing and How to Do Them by Lena Beard and Adelia B. Beard. The Colossus of Rhodes. Pretend this is not the 20th century, but 288 B.C. and that, with many other young people, your home is hundreds of miles away on a little island in the Mediterranean Sea called Rhodes. Here the weather is sunshiny and bright, and children do not have to remain indoors because of the rain, for on this delightful island the sun comes forth in all its glory, nearly every day during the year. The people think so much of the sun but they erect statues to it, which they call sun gods. They even have the head of a sun god on one side of their coins, and on the other side they print a rose, for the citizens of Rhodes are almost as fond of that flower as they are of the sun. Such quantities of roses grow on the island that all girls can have as many as they wish. Now we will play that Your Name is Charles of Lindis that you are a great sculptor and can model all sorts of wonderful and beautiful objects, and that the city of Rhodes has commissioned you to make a gigantic bronze statue of Apollo, their sun god. So you must pretend that you have built two small islands at the entrance to the port of Rhodes, and that on each island you have erected immense stone pedestals fifty feet high, so that your colossus need not be obliged to stand in the water." The statue must be made to span the harbor with legs wide apart as Napoleon stands in the pictures of history. Apollo must be very large, about 111 feet high, in order that every ship entering the harbor may pass between the legs of this towering colossus as a tribute to the god. And when sailors approach the statue and pass beneath it, they will marvel at the beautiful figure of polished metal, and carry news of it all over the world. Make the Colossus of Bronze filled in with stone. Use stiff, fine lawn, or fine bastite, as the outer bronze covering of the statue. Let the cloth be perfectly smooth without a wrinkle. Take raw cotton batting for the stone filling. Enlarge very carefully on stiff, smooth paper the pattern, figure 310, Make it measure nine and one-fourth inch from the tip-top line of the bottom line. Then cut it out and lay the paper pattern down flat over a double fold of the cloth. With a soft lead pencil, run a line on the cloth entirely around the figure. Be particular about having all the curves of the figure correct. Base the two layers of cloth together and machine-stitch them around the outside edge of the pencil outline do not sew the lines straight where they should curve remember this and devote the best of your talents to the work leave a half inch opening at the shoulder of the uprised arm a figure 311 pull off a bit of the soft raw cotton and force it in at the opening a figure 311 between the front and back of the figure with a smooth slender dull pointed stick Push the cotton well up into one of the points surrounding the head, which represent the rays of the sun. When you have the cotton in the tip of the point, pack in another piece and continue to stuff the point with cotton until it is filled out firmly. Stuff all the points and the head in the same way. Then fill the opposite shoulder and upper part of the arm, which is held down at the side. And next, the uplifted hand and arm and the body. Begin at the sole of the left foot and stuff the lower half of the partially filled hanging arm, then the lower part of the body and the entire length of the leg, and fill in the other leg. Before stuffing the feet, take two strong, stiff hat pins and break off the heads. If you bend the ends in removing the heads, hammer them out straight again. The pins must be perfectly straight. Very carefully work a pin broken in first up each leg well into the body. The dotted lines along the legs in figure 311 represent the pins placed inside. The points of the pins extend not less than an inch and a half below the feet. B, B figure 311. C, C, figure 311, shows the raw cotton, which has not yet been packed, into the feet. Lift the figure by the two pinpoints, and if it is firm and stiff, finish stuffing the feet. If it bends when held by the pinpoints, carefully twist out the pins and insert them again, adjusting them until they keep the figure stiffly upright when held by the points. Sew up all the openings and cut out the statue. Then slowly punch open the center of the divisions between the rays around the head and the uplifted arm, with the point of a blade of the scissors. Enlarge each hole by twisting the pointed end of a pin holder around and around until the opening is sufficiently large. Turn the colossus over on the other side and carefully cut away the fringe of the cloth that surrounds each opening. In like manner, open the space between the body and the arm, extending down the side. When stuffing the figure, use the cotton soft. Do not roll it into hard wads, and be careful not to run the end of the stick through the cloth covering and tear it. The same care must be taken when inserting the pins up the legs. With thread and needle, stitch an outline between the fingers and around the lower portion of the raised hand. Filling in the figure with cotton will give you an idea of the labor your great grandmothers expended upon their bed quilts when they stuffed elaborate designs of grapes and vines on the coverings. Such quilts are now highly valued. Give Apollo an all over coat of varnish. When the statue is perfectly dry, bronze it with liquid bronze, and if the small openings by the side of the arm seem partially to have closed, Twist the end of the pin handle through each one to enlarge the spaces. Cut a strip of cloth according to figure 312 for drapery. Hold one end against the figure at the side where the arm joins the body and fold the cloth loosely across the front and around the back of the figure, bringing the other end of the drapery forward through the space between the arm and the body. Fasten it in place with a pin, figure 313, Bronze the scarf so that no portion of un cloth is visible. Then allow the statue to dry, and with sharp scissors, trim off any little ravelings along the edges of the stitching. With pin and ink, mark the features on the face. The chin being held up foreshortens the face. This means that the position causes the features to look as if they were closer together than they actually are and that the eyebrows are nearer the top of the head, which makes all the features seem higher than when the chin is held level. Do not forget this while inking the face. Draw rather high on the forehead two curved lines for the eyebrows. Under these, mark two curved oblongs for the eyes, a curve for the nose, with two elongated dots for nostrils, a large curve for the mouth, and a little one for the lower lip. Practice drawing the face on a piece of paper before attempting to ink it on the bronze head. Find or make two boxes of heavy cardboard, each about two and a half inches high, an inch and a half wide, and two and a half inches deep. Open the boxes and give the outside a thin coating of glue. While the glue is wet, sprinkle with sand, and when dry, replace the covers and the boxes will be two stone pedestals for the statue. Erect Apollo. Upon the stone foundations by pushing the projecting pinpoints through the tops of the boxes, work a cork on the end of each pinpoint, having the cork large enough to rest firmly on the bottom of the box after it is attached to the pinpoint. Then, holding each cork in place, fasten them in turn to the bottom of the box By pushing a common pin up through the bottom of the box into the cork. Figure 314 shows the inside of the sanded box with the point of the hat pin firmly planted in the top of the cork, while the cork is held securely to the bottom of the box by means of the pin run into it from the outside of the box. Apollo must stand firm. The statue and foundation boxes should be so securely fastened together as to seem made in one piece. There, the famous Colossus of Rhodes, one of the renowned Seven Wonders of the World, is completed, and now that you have made the statue, you can never forget it. Pretend that Apollo towers in the air at least 150 feet when on the pedestals. Of course, such a remarkable piece of sculpture could not be constructed in a moment's time. So make believe that you, the sculptor, Charles of Lindis, have been twelve years at work on the wonderful bronze figure. Get a sheet of blue tissue paper to serve as the water, stand Apollo up on it, and make two or three tiny paper boats with masts. Set them on the water under the bronze statue, that the vessels may be sailing beneath the statue into the harbor of Rhodes, figure 313. When you have erected the Colossus on a table and everything is ready, invite the girls and boys in to see the work. Tell them all about the statues being one of the seven wonders of the world, and what fun you had making Apollo, and that you intend to make another of the wonders, which you will show to them. Play that the Colossus has stood guard over the harbor of Rhodes for fifty six years. Then make an earthquake, tumble it down. Double up your hand and give a hard knock on the underside of the top of the table, exactly beneath the spot on which Apollo stands. With a little aid of the imagination, the noise produced will sound like the rumbling of an earthquake, and the shock will cause the earth, or the top of the table, to tremble and quake violently, and down will fall the colossus. Make believe that the statue is broken. In many pieces, and that the people of Rhodes allow the fragments to lie scattered on the ground, for you know that after the real colossus had been thrown down, it remained where it had fallen for many centuries until the year 656 A.D., when Rhodes was conquered by the Saracens, who sold many of the pieces of the bronze sun god to a Jew of Syria, Edessa. This man had 900 camels carry the fragments on their backs to Alexandria. Nearly three centuries after the disaster, Pliny saw the pieces of the Colossus still laying where it fell. And even as it lies there prostrate, he reports, it stirs to wonder. Few men can clasp its thumb with their arms. The fingers alone are greater than most statues. Vast caverns yawn in its shattered limbs. Within one sees blocks of stones by whose weight the builder established it. The Colossus cost about $500,000, which was obtained from the cell of the engines of war presented to the Rodarians by a man named Demetrius Polarcrates after they had made him give up the siege of their city, 303 BC. There were several thousand statues in Rhodes, but none so large as the Colossus, which is said to have weighed 720,900 pounds. The famous Lacoon and the Farnese Bull were both modeled in Rhodes. In Roman time, Rhodes was thought the fairest city in the world and is described by historians as superior to all other cities in its era. For the beauty and convenience of its ports, streets, walls, and public edifices, all of which were profusely adorned with works of art. Among the students in its university were Brutus, Cassius, Caesar, and Cicero, and the first Greek grammar, the one which became the model of Greek and Latin grammars, was written in this city. So you find that Rhodes has played a very important part in the world, but the island of Rhodes is no more a powerful state. It is now a possession of Turkey, and is ruled by a Parsha, who holds office for life, governing also the adjoining islands belonging to Turkey, and collects the revenues. We will have interesting news from time to time from this same island, for one of the newspapers has stated that a Danish scientific expedition will go to discover all that remains of the Colossus of Rhodes. You must be on the lookout, therefore, to know how much they find of the statue and how the pieces look. Then you will wish to compare your Colossus of Rhodes with the facts stated and any pictures which may be published on the subject to see how closely your Apollo resembles the original wonder of the world. End of chapter 20.